Hello, and welcome to Story Radio, the podcast for readers, writers, and lovers of literature everywhere. Today we're listening to Dust and Oranges, written and read by Nicholas Bachura. Dust and Oranges by Nicholas Batura. There once was a little girl who came from a war-torn place called Heleb. She, her three older sisters, and her parents lived in a fourth-floor flat in the city. One morning, she woke before the sun came up, slipped out from under her sister's arm in bed, dressed quietly and swiftly, and left without letting the apartment door slam shut as it preferred to do. She took the stairs down, and down, and down, in a dizzying square, flight after flight until she reached the bottom and pushed through the stairwell door, out into the alley between her building and the next. It was hard for her to remember the alley before the war. She knew there had been a time before the piles of plastic trash bags filled to bursting, when the alley was clean and clear more often than it wasn't, a time before the leaflets that skittered across the ground on windy days and huddled in corners and gutters with the plastic bottles and cigarette butts the rest of the time. She pinched her nose shut and dodged around the trash bags and boxes, out to the sidewalk. "'By God's grace, good morning, child,' Abu Mansur said. He folded forward, hands on his knees, and pushed himself up from the plastic crate behind his fruit stand. His bright white skullcap glowed in the low light. The sharp scent of citrus fruit hung in the air. Around them the concrete city stood in purples and blues that could only be seen in the hours before sunrise. "'God's peace be upon you,' said the little girl. "'I see you remembered my promise,' said Abu Mansur, with his mouth that looked almost too big for his ancient face. Deep laugh lines cut parentheses on either side of his lips when he spoke, so that when he did— It was as if two creatures were talking at once, one human and the other a silent thing of folded flesh and stubble. Two weeks ago, you promised oranges would come in on the first of the next month. The little girl pulled a folded piece of paper from her pocket. I made a calendar. She unfolded the paper and showed it to Abu Mansur. Today is the first of the month, see? Hmm, Abu Mansur squinted at the paper. She tapped the day circled in the red pen she'd borrowed from the butcher last Wednesday when she saw it on his counter, next to a knife as big as a sword. She couldn't remember the last time she saw a red pen. Ah, yes, said Abu Mansur. And what do you think? Is the time right for oranges? Yes, I smell them on your cart. Do you now? Abu Mansur placed the plastic crate he'd been sitting on down in front of the little girl. Then you must see for yourself. She steadied herself on the edge of the fruit cart and stepped up onto the crate. A field of perfect oranges spread out in front of her. Excitement soared through her like a sparrow on the wind. Tomorrow was her mother's birthday. Oranges were her mother's favorite fruit. She'd always said so, even though she didn't buy them for the family as often as she used to. That one... She pointed to a perfectly round orange in the middle of the cart. This one? No, over. This one? No, two more. This one? Amusement played in Abu Mansur's words. Yes, 
That's the one for mother. Abu Mansur picked it from the bunch. The little girl steadied herself on the fruit cart as she stepped down from the crate. Here you are. It's not for me. She took the orange. It's for my mother. It's her favorite. Ah, yes, it is, isn't it? Abu Mansur moved the crate back behind the cart and sat down. She nodded. It's for her birthday. Well, then you'd better get back before she wakes, or the surprise will be spoiled, won't it? Yes, you're right. Above them came a sound like God hammering the sky. Come here! Abu Mansur's calm eyes snapped wide open. The little girl froze beneath the deafening God beats. She clutched the orange to her chest. And then Abu Mansur had her in his hands that were too strong for such an old man, an ancient man who could have been older than her parents combined. They were under his cart when thunder roared around them. Debris rained down on the sidewalk the way a handful of gravel clatters when thrown against a wall. Heavy things crashed onto the fruit cart. Oranges rolled away on the ground. Dust enveloped the world. Abu Mansur pulled the little girl's shirt up across her face. She held it there with one hand and clutched the orange to her chest with the other. The world became white static fog. Pieces of the world cracked down upon the fruit cart, the sidewalk, the street, each with a different sound, a different tone that signaled wood, concrete, metal. Abu Mansur curled forward over the little girl. He coughed and his body shook them both like a warm earthquake. She held her shirt across her face until the white dust became opaque, and the sidewalk, scattered with debris, stretched out before her through the haze. She had to get back home. Her mother and father would be so angry with her when they realized she'd left without asking them. They were certainly awake now. She pushed away from Abu Mansur, who remained under his fruit cart, coughing harshly. Chunks of cement, long, jagged glass shards, and fashioned clothing from the shop next door was piled upon the fruit cart. The little girl gave her best wishes to the poor, smushed oranges beneath it all, then dashed into the alley. A jumble of trash bags jammed the stairwell door open. Several of the bags had burst, scattering fruit peels, empty tin cans, and chicken bones across the ground. White dust covered everything. She picked her way over the trash. The air inside the stairwell was so thick she could feel it on her lips. It stuck on her tongue. She coughed and almost lost hold of her mother's orange. She pulled her shirt over her nose and mouth, as Abu Mansur had done for her beneath his fruit cart. Bits and pieces of concrete were scattered up and down the stairs. She felt her way up and up and up one step at a time to the fourth floor. The heavy metal door to the hallway where her family's apartment was stood closed. She spat out gritty dust. Her parents would be so mad when they saw how dirty she'd gotten. Her father would yell in his voice that made her feel as small as a chickpea. Then her mother would give her the cold gaze that meant she'd done something disappointing, on the verge of unforgivable. The little girl placed the orange on the ground, safely next to the wall where she wouldn't accidentally step on it and ruin her surprise. She wrenched the metal door open with both of her hands on the doorknob. Dust curled in waves above the open chasm beyond. Far below her, 
spread a field of concrete chunks with rebar jutting up out of it like broken bones from skin. There were dressers, couches, mattresses, long slabs of what were once floors and ceilings and walls. Dust motes obscured the jagged edges. There were no cries for help. There was no screaming. But there was blood. Men in white helmets found her at the top of the stairs that led to nowhere. Concrete grit caked her bare arms. She looked like a ghost and felt like one, too. She lived outside the city for a time in a camp of large tents and too many people. The scent of stale urine, the smell of farts and burned cooking oil hung in the air day and night. Abu Mansur watched over her. He was the only adult left in her world. He was the only connection she had to the old way of life. One day Abu Mansur collected their possessions in a black plastic garbage sack and ushered her between the tents, through a shortcut to the back of the camp where a tourist bus stood with its engine running. Other adults, with black plastic bags in one fist and a child's hand in the other, flooded out of the camp behind them. Another bus stopped behind the first, another behind that. The sound of their engines drowned out the questions and crying. Two days later, she and Abu Mansur were on an airplane as tall and long as a building. She squeezed Abu Mansur's hand. He smiled at her with his two wide mouth and its laugh lines that spoke of hope. They settled in a city bounded on the east by towering mountains and on the west by nothing but sky and salty desert. Abu Mansur called it Utah. The little girl hated grade school until she met a red-haired, freckled classmate named Fran. Fran spoke in a voice that carried for miles. She had never lost a fight with a boy or girl. She was strong-headed, courageous, loyal, and she was kind. The little girl and Fran became inseparable. Through junior and senior high school, they shared hopes and dreams, first dances with boys they adored the heartache of love lost. It was the best time of the little girl's life. The little girl became a woman, a college graduate, a respected professional. She remembered her family as perfect beings forever frozen in time in their fourth floor flat and shared bed. She rarely thought about the stairs that led to nowhere, or the concrete dust that had covered her arms on the day she lost everything she'd known. Everything but the fruit vendor, Abu Mansur. She grew older, and so did Abu Mansur. The wrinkles around his mouth and the worry lines on his forehead deepened. He'd been old back in Heleb. In Salt Lake City, he'd become an ancient artifact carved out of the firm oak of time. Abu Mansur passed away on a fall morning, and it was as if the whole world knew about it. The leaves in Big Cottonwood Canyon transitioned from yellow to a deep red that bled outward from the canyon, spreading across slopes for miles until the mountains along the Salt Lake Valley were the color of martyrs and saints. The woman placed a single orange on Abu Mansur's casket. Their journey from Heleb began with dust and oranges. It felt right that Abu Mansur's next chapter should begin the same. The End 
That was Dust and Oranges, written and read by Nicholas Batura. Thanks for listening. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please don't forget to leave us a review. Goodbye.